In the most divisive of times, the great debates rage on. Who was the best Batman? Was the book truly better than the movie? Did Han shoot first? Nerds with opinions will seek to answer life's greatest questions. Hello there, fellow nerds. You are listening to Nerds with Opinions, episode number 92. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holman. Today on the podcast, it is a Marks with Opinions episode. We're catching up on some wrestling, and it's going to be a solo outing. It's just me. I don't have any guests, so it's just going to be me talking about the last two large New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling shows. We're talking about Wrestle Kingdom 15 and Hard to Kill here today on Nerds with Opinions. So here I am. It's just me today. I'm trying out something a little different here because I want to be able to do more episodes on a more frequent basis. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to lock down guests. So I've done some solo outings before. I don't necessarily prefer it, but I think it's a decent way to get some episodes out on a more frequent basis on a, you know, a little quicker and... Maybe, you know, have shorter episodes because I'm long-winded, but then you pair me with somebody else that's long-winded, then it's a long episode. So I'm going to try to just blast through here, and we're going to catch up on some non-WWE, non-AEW wrestling. Some wrestling that's maybe not quite as mainstream, still pretty mainstream, though, because the wrestling business as a whole is just booming. So I want to talk about... New Japan Wrestling's, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 15 event. Now it's been about a month, uh, so I'm a little late on doing this, but I think it's still, you know, relevant to talk about it because it, it's kind of like their WrestleMania. It basically then affects everything that's going to happen for the next year. It, it kind of, you know, sets in, in motion and, and it also acts as like an end cap for the year prior. It's their like New Year's Eve show. And... It was a, a really big one. You know, it's interesting. They had a, like a decent amount of people. Obviously, Japan has got the COVID thing a little more under control than the United States, but they, they had like socially distanced fans in the Tokyo Dome. So they definitely didn't have it anywhere close to, to full. And let's see if I can find. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It doesn't necessarily say the the turnout oh no yes it does um so this this event was uh, a two-night event so there was 12,000 plus night one and 7,000 plus night two the Tokyo Dome is huge 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 so that's really really limited amount of people but it was still you know probably good for the wrestlers to have some sort of you know, fan base there and new Japan's been now been running shows with an audience for a little bit. And, but again, like a a much smaller audience, the other interesting thing. And I, and I, Hey, you could never do this in the United States. And it's uh, all the respect to the Japanese fans for actually following along with this. So they had this rule. They mentioned it on the broadcast uh, of wrestle kingdom where they had this rule where the fans could clap, but they couldn't have any sort of, 
auditory response to the wrestling. So they couldn't scream, they couldn't yell. And it's interesting. It works in Japan because Japanese wrestling fans are extremely quiet and polite already. They rarely ever get, you know, loud and nuts like uh, United States wrestling fans are. You know, you don't hear the chants and everything. It's And they really only pop for really big kind of, you know, crazy stuff or stuff that they, they appreciate. So that was just really replaced more so with, with claps. But, you know, after like a match or two, I totally got used to it. It was just very, very different, but I, you know, and I just kind of got immersed into the show. So let's talk about night one in the prelim match, Chase Owens, bad luck, Fale, Bushi and Toriyanu advanced to the four-way match, which was uh, a New Japan Rambo, a 20-man, 21-man New Japan Rambo, to determine who's going to challenge for the provisional KOPW 2021 trophy. So that's the king of pro wrestling, uh, and that would be a match that would happen on night two. And... Not a ton to say here, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's a pre-show match, and it's a a way to have the members of the roster that don't have other matches, you know, work a match. So it you know it was it was fine. It was it was uh it was a fun match. Uh, next, Hiromu Takahashi, who was the best of the Super Juniors winner, defeated El Fantasmo, uh, who was the Super J Cup winner and it was a singles match to determine who is going to challenge for the IWGP junior heavyweight title on night two. Whoo wee. This was a good match. A really, really good match. Uh, Takahashi is kind of like the man right now over in New Japan, especially for the juniors division. And he seems like the the person that might take the juniors to that like upper echelon. Cause usually what happens with like the junior heavyweights in, in Japan are somebody gets really, really, really popular and then they move them up to heavyweights, you know, and it's, it's usually guys that are honestly like too big to be juniors. Uh, like a Kenny Omega, he started out as a, as a junior heavyweight. And then when he got super, super popular, they moved him up to heavyweight and we've seen that happen. Um, Kota Ibushi is another example of that. And but Takashi's a way smaller dude than both of those guys, and so I, I don't ever see him being a heavyweight. But he is so popular, and he's got that division so over that I I can see that maybe you know like hey could it be possible that the junior heavyweights headline a Wrestle Kingdom show? It very well could be possible at some point. If, and if not Wrestle Kingdom, maybe um, Dominion, which is their their next like really big show. So this match ruled. El Fantasmo is such a good heel. He is a total jerk, and uh, obviously like the you know the fans were were behind Takashi. He's he's probably one of the biggest baby faces in New Japan right now, and great great junior match. And uh, and what you'd want to expect out of this kind of match with like light heavyweights. Um, very high energy, crazy high spots, good stuff. The next match, uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tongaloa, defeated the Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. for the IWGP Tag Team Titles. And I believe that that makes Gorillas of Destiny the most, I think that they have the most title reigns 
with the IWGP uh, tag team titles. And rightfully so. They're, they're one of the best tag teams in the world. And this was a, a really awesome match. I, I, I had been a little like out of the loop with New Japan for a while. And I didn't even realize that Tai Chi or Zack Sabre Jr. were in a, a tag team that was holding the title belts. <laughs> so that was surprising, which is like, it's a really weird, interesting tag team, but uh, this match ruled. And uh, I, I'm a big, 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 big fan of Zack Sabre Jr. And I remember the first time I started kind of watching Japanese wrestling, I saw Tai Chi and man, that guy's come a long, long way. Very, very, very good wrestler. And um, his gimmick is really interesting and unique. And yeah, and, and man, you can't say enough about uh, a good enough good about Gorillas of Destiny. And I'm kind of hoping now that they're they have the straps, and there's this really interesting like you know AEW Impact Wrestling version of Bullet Club existing at the same time as the New Japan version of Bullet Club. Are we gonna get a crossover? You know, and then it seems like the Gorillas of Destiny they're not happy about like the the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson. And Luke Gallows teaming back up with Kenny Omega. So, like, are we going to get, like, Bullet Club Warfare? Which I, I feel like they were building to that when the Elite, like, right before the Elite left New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, a couple years back. Where there was, like, this this split in Bullet Club. And they never really paid that off. Like, the, the Bullet Club uh, originals and, like, the Girls of Destiny were, like, leading this. They, they eventually turned on the elite and like attacked them and everything. And we never really saw that like giant, you know, whatever it would be like six man, uh, tag, tag match, uh, you know, five man tag match, whatever it was going to be. And I feel like that's more possible now, you know, cause now all eight wrestling's working with impact wrestling. And we'll talk about this, um, maybe on a later episode, but now there's some sort of some new Japan crossover, uh, that, is happening with all elite wrestling. So, and, you know, actually I'll, we'll do a, a quick, a quick, uh, discussion off of that for the next match. So we'll transition to that now because actually it is, it is relevant how new Japan is kind of crossing over into all elite wrestling. So in a singles match for the IWGP United States title, um, rights to challenge basically. So, you know, the right to challenge for the title, Kenta defeated Satoshi Kojima and in doing so, then there was this, uh, I, I can't remember if it was before or after the match, but you know, the, um, because of the pandemic, John Moxley has been the United States title, uh, holder for quite a while and just hasn't been able to defend it, but they haven't stripped him of it, which I think is totally fair because you know, he, it's not his fault that he can't defend it, you know, and it's, and it's not a, it's not an injury. So I, I think that's totally fair, but he, he basically cut this promo. And I, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was prior to this match, basically saying like, whoever it is, I'm waiting and I'm ready to defend this. And at the time he was, I believe he was still like both simultaneously, the AEW champion and the IWGP United States champion, which is like, mind-blowing mind-blowing that a former WWE star is a dual champion in an American company that isn't WWE and in a different Japanese company that isn't WWE it's 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 
it just shows how crazy wrestling is right now. So anyway, so he cuts this promo and which was, you know, obviously like a big surprise. Nobody expected him to be on the show in any capacity, even if it was um, just a, a pre-taped promo. And so it sowed the seeds of like, okay, well, we're going to eventually see this. So Kenta wins this match and man, I'm real big on Kenta. I thought, um, I was a fan of him prior to when he was in NXT and dude, just WWE never fully capitalizes on him. He, he had some injuries, um, that kind of held him back, but again, they just, they didn't do for, for how good he is and how much of a, a name with like, with kind of smart Mark wrestling fans he, he had before coming into WWE. Like, dude, he could have been huge. He could have been absolutely huge. And they just never really, they never really capitalized on that. And he rightfully, you know, uh, left the company and went to New Japan. And I mean, like, he he's killing it and they're killing it with him. I think it helped him out that he joined the Bullet Club and went like full black hat heel. So anyhow, um, so that sets up Kenta versus John Moxley. And now moving forward, we... We've got some, uh, I think Moxley went over to Japan and attacked him and, you know, they set up this, this title match for, um, I think it's the new beginning show that's coming up. And then, you know, the latest thing was Kenta showed up on AEW and attacked John Moxley. So what's interesting is like, you know, the, the AEW New Japan crossover, it's not necessarily new. Like when Chris Jericho was the AEW title holder, he had a Wrestle Kingdom match with um, Hiromu Takahashi. And on Wrestle Kingdom, like they acknowledged him as like the AEW title holder, but they weren't really talking about him going over and doing a New Japan match on AEW. And same thing with like uh, John Moxley. Like they weren't acknowledging the fact on AEW television that he was also the United States champion. So I'm, what I'm liking now is that they are acknowledging this and they're having, you know, a new Japan guy show up on AEW television, because to me that I think that makes the, the crossover more interesting when it is being acknowledged because like, I, I don't know. I, and I think most fans would agree with this. Nothing makes me more annoyed and, and kind of feel like I'm being patronized than like when, for instance, WWE pretends like, you know, some of the wrestlers have never had a career outside of WWE, you know, or, or like it's, oh gosh, it, it's ridiculous, you know, or, or they, they don't acknowledge other companies. They pretend like other, other companies don't exist. That's, that's, that's really, really weird. And then like, and it's, I, I, again, I think it is patronizing to, to your audience, especially like the audience that likes wrestling outside of WWE as well. So it's, you can like both. I, I, I assure you it's okay. So moving on, <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, we have the next match. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated great Okan in a singles match. This was, this was a pretty cool match. Um, and you know what? I got to, I got to backtrack here. I, uh, I, I messed up. I mixed up guys when I was talking about, uh, that Chris Jericho match, I meant to say, uh, Tanahashi and I was saying Takahashi cause earlier I was talking about him. So the ace Tanahashi, he had a match with Chris Jericho, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it was, it was maybe last year. Um, anyhow, he had this match with great Okan. Great Okan is 
a newer up and coming guy. He was a young lion uh, for New Japan and now has joined in this faction with, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he's, he's joined in this faction with Will Ospreay, um, which I gotta, let's see here. What? I can't remember the name of it now. Um, Hold on. I got it. Oh, uh, the empire, the empire. So great. Ocon's like the heavy in that. Uh, well then there's two heavies cause it's, it's him and Jeff Cobb. So like, it's interesting, but he's like a really big dude, really big dude. Um, you know, he's green, but he looked good in this match. Tanahashi is, you know, he, I, I always say he's like the John Cena of, of new Japan the John Cena, the Randy Orton, like he's like, he's not like the super old timer, you know, like a, like a Hulk Hogan or something, but he's that guy that was like, that's just been grinding and and staying with the company. And he's like, you know, now he's, he's getting towards the end of his career, but he's one they can always rely on. I mean, you know, the undertaker, maybe it'd be a good example too, but I, I think more John Cena because he's like, he's always been a baby face. He's like the, always been like the face of the company. And, it was kind of fun to see him face like a really young guy and it it was a solid match. I mean, for all the abuse that Tanahashi's taken on his body and, you know, being really seasoned, he's still putting out great, great matches. And so this was definitely an enjoyable one. Uh, next up, Kazuchika Okada defeated Will Ospreay, um, in a singles match. And this had a great story. You know, Will Ospreay was a member of chaos and eventually turned on uh, Okada. They were like, you know, in in real life, like really good friends and whatnot. And um, so they're, you know, they could build a real story about like this, you know, um, this betrayal. And ooh, man, what an amazing match! I think both the both these guys would be on my short list for the best in ring wrestlers in the world right now. Um, they, they have to be included in that. Okada, I've talked about him on this podcast before. He, he is so good physically in the ring. Just, he's got it all. And Will Ospreay does things that literally no one else, maybe us, maybe, maybe Ricochet, but like, just like those two guys, like nobody else is doing the in-ring stuff that, that they're doing. Um, and Osprey, I think, has more of an edge to him than Ricochet. And like him going heel has been really, really good for him, I think, because he's he's kind of a natural babyface in terms of like his high flying stuff, but he's done a really good job in like making that that style still work and just being like a deplorable piece of crap. And this match was no exception to that. Um and he broke out all the stops. It was extremely physical. You know, obviously, you know, they're working that Japanese strong style. So these guys beat the shit out of each other. It was a long match, too. It looks like uh, 35, 35 minutes and 41 seconds. So it was actually the longest match on the card, even longer than the main event. So this is the co-main event. Yeah, and it's uh, it deserved that spot. You know, obviously, like, it was just purely storyline, singles match, no, no championships on the line or anything like that. It was really 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 great um i do think that the right guy won but i kind of wonder if they need a rematch down the line and then will osprey goes over against okada i think i think osprey needs that big big signature win uh i i see why they had okada win because he's been 
he's been kind of out of the title picture now for a while, and I, I think eventually they need to kind of get him back to there, and having him win at their biggest show keeps him keeps him in the top because they, they have an interesting thing going on where it's an interesting problem they have where they have basically they have kind of four maybe five if you're counting Hiromu Takahashi uh five top guys where you know you've got Hiroshi Tanahashi who's like like I said the John Cena you know the the most popular over guy and the veteran you've got the you got Okada who is the most popular over you know guy that is coming up on veteran status but is but is still like uh he's still in his prime and then you've got you know his kind of his his parallel in Tetsuya Naito you've got Kota Ibushi who's now we'll talk about him um he's kind of the man and then you got Jay White. So you have like a, a all kind of like on the same level top guys. And I, I think, you know, to keep Okada, long story short, basically, to keep Okada in that in that same conversation, I think that they they had him win. But I think Will Ospreay needs to beat Okada clean at another big show. I, I think he has beat him, if I remember correctly. But maybe Dominion, they they run this back and uh maybe put some different stipulations on it or something like that. Maybe a title down the line, I don't know. But I think Osprey needs to beat him at some point. And in the main event of night one, Kotobushi defeated Tetsuya Naito to win the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental title. So he's the, the double champ. And hey, if you've been following his career, this is long, long overdue. He never actually won the big one. And... I think this was kind of predictable, but man, what an incredible match. These guys have amazing chemistry. Um, they've had many, many matches before. They had a match um, at this same show the year prior. And Abushi is, again, I think he should be on that short list for some of the greatest in-ring wrestlers um, in the game today. And so I think this was the right, the right call, uh, the right call, because Naito has had his had his run um, with both these titles and, and with both these titles at the same time. So it was time to pull the trigger on Kota Ibushi. So let's move into night two. There was the opening match, which was the the payoff from the first night. Toru Yano defeated Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Bushi in a four-way match for the Provisional King of Pro Wrestling 2021 trophy. And uh, that Toru Yano is now, um, he was the winner the year prior, too. Again, this match wasn't, it wasn't, it was good, not great. Um, it was entertaining, but nothing super crazy. It was short, maybe too short. I think that hurt it. Uh, next match, Suzuki Goon, uh, El Desperado, and uh, Kanyamaro, Defeated one or eight, and for uh, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight titles, this was uh, a good match. Solid, um, you know, not not anything you know to to totally write home about, but but definitely like a good solid junior tag team match. In the next match, uh, Shingo Takagi defeated Jeff Cobb. 
for the Never Open Weight Championship. This is another person that was like, you know, they really needed to pull the trigger on um, Takagi with uh, a title run. And part of me, I got to say, like, I was kind of hoping Jeff Cobb was going to to get this strap. Um, or excuse me, Takagi, uh, he defended um, this. So he was he was the, the 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 title holder. But I think that what I'm saying is they need to they were needing to pull this trigger on him with like a signature win and 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 you know, kind of book him as a top guy. And Jeff Cobb is, is a really, really well-known commodity that has worked in ring of honor. He's worked in new Japan. He's, he did a, had a little, really short run in, in, uh, AEW, but he's like a pretty like big international star. So I think this really, you know, kind of is a feather in the cap of Takagi. And this match was so hard hitting. These guys beat the hell out of each other. Big, muscular, strong dudes. And I think this was like one of the sleeper matches of this whole um, show for me. It was really, really, really good. I'd, I'd recommend it if you want to go back and watch it. Um, in a singles match that was also just kind of grudge match, you know, real storyline based, Sonata defeated Evil. These guys were former tag team uh, partners in uh, Las Ignobios de Japan. And uh, then Evil, you know went evil, if you will, and joined the Bullet Club. And uh, now these guys have kind of had this back and forth. Um, this is another one. I think that Sonata needed a big signature win. Evil, it, you know, he's uh, earlier at the beginning of 2020, he was the double champ, you know, and uh, he was the man. And so I think that this really put over Sonata as a potential guy that could move up and be like the next big thing. And, um, but I don't think evil was diminished at all in a loss. So this is a cool grudge match. And, uh, these guys obviously like worked really well together cause they know each other really well as, as a tag team. So in the next match, it was the co-main for night two, uh, Hiromo Takahashi defeated uh, Taiji Ishimori, who was the champion. So Takahashi got it done became the champion and it was a, a good feel good um, moment. Uh, the crowd was clearly behind him and crazy good match. And uh, again, like you, you, you can't go wrong with a, a junior heavyweight match in new Japan. It's just a fire fire division. And uh, again, I, you know, I kind of put him over Takahashi. That is talking about him uh, in the first night. And he is a person that I really feel like could could move to that upper echelon and be, you know, like headlining shows uh, as, you know, a junior heavyweight, which I, I don't see any problem with that, to be honest. Um, it, it's a strange kind of antiquated thing, I think, that New Japan, um, well, New Japan and other companies, I mean, WWE doesn't really like uh, put their light heavyweight or cruiserweight um, division at the forefront either. I, I think that's strange. I, you know what? Uh, why can't little guys be at the top of a card too? It doesn't, who cares if the match is good and it's entertaining, who cares? And finally in the main event, Kota Ibushi defeated Jay White and good Lord, this match. I, I mean, I'm just going to say it was match of the whole show for me. So of night one and two, and 48 minutes and five seconds, I'm saying these guys 
took it to a whole nother level. Um, this was an absolute war, and this this is a kind of match that makes me love New Japan because they they give time, they give they give time to these matches. You know, a lot of these matches are twenty minutes plus. That's just kind of like standard, uh, not standard, but it, it's it's not uncommon. And you know, then the the kind of bigger matches on the top of the card can be half hour plus. And oh, this was just a thing of beauty. It was an absolute masterclass in professional wrestling. And again, I think it was a, the right call for Kota Ibushi to stay champion because that would be really, really heartbreaking uh, if he won the first night and then, you know, only had it for a day. Um, and Jay White has, you know, he's had his time in the sun with both these uh, titles. And I think, you know, he can go and do some other interesting things and still be relevant, and then come back and be a champion again. I, I do think they need to have him be a champion again at some point because he's another person that he's young enough, like a Kota Ibushi, that I think he will be taking New Japan into, you know, the kind of next generation once, like a, a Tanahashi uh, retires, or or even an Okada for that matter. So, uh, bravo, New Japan! Wonderful show. Um, you know, they didn't have maybe nearly as much like outside of new Japan star power, but I think that was okay. This was just a solid ass show and it was very, very fun to watch. So now how about we transition into talking about impact wrestling's hard to kill pay-per-view happened like a couple weeks ago and I, I watched some of the Impact Wrestling pay-per-views, not all of them, um, kind of the ones that pique my interest or the bigger ones. And But hey, I got to say, I'm loving what Impact has been doing. And I think that I, I, I'm paying attention to them more. I'm you know watching clips from the weekly shows. I'm really liking a lot of the people that they have brought into the company that were, you know, ex-WWE. I think they're, they're, they're pretty calculated. It's not... It's not necessarily like the biggest names that they can get. Um, I mean, even though there are some big names, but it's it's really good, talented wrestlers that didn't really get to like show what they ha- what they had in WWE. And uh, I mean, they're already doing really interesting things with these people, and I think it's going to help build their own homegrown stars more. You know, when they're mixing it up with these these more name people um so let's get right into this so in the opening match decay rosemary and crazy steve defeated Tennille dashwood and caleb with the k and in an intergender tag team match this was fun um decay I, I think it's cool that they you know crazy steve and rosemary need something to do and i think it's cool that they got that that stable back together of course like obviously i think you know that stable was at its best when it had Abyss in it, uh, but I'm a big Abyss fan, and obviously, like, he works with WWE now in a backstage role, so that's not going to happen, but fun match. Um, I like what they're doing with Tennille Dashwood. I do think they maybe need to, like, get her in the title picture. I think um, they could do a lot with her and Deanna Perrazzo because I think Tennille is a very underrated female, female wrestler. I think she's been one of the better female wrestlers for quite a long time. You know, I think a lot of people forget that she was putting on bangers in NXT and WWE prior to this, like, you know, the women's revolution and was, you know, yeah, I mean, she, she was, she was 
doing stuff that was just really, really tight physical in-ring wrestling at the time of kind of like Paige and whatnot. So prior to, you know, then the women coming in that really get the credit for women's revolution being Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Sasha Bailey. I think, um, yeah, Tennille Dashwood as, as Emma was kind of the, one of the, uh, you know, the leaders of that and she doesn't get credit for it. So I think they could do a lot with a lot more with her and impact, but this was a, this was a cool match. It was fun. It was kind of silly and yeah, I liked it. Uh, Violet by design is a new group with Eric Young, Diener, uh, formerly known as Cody, Cody Diener. Now he's just Diener and he's, he's all jacked and cut off his hair and he's just mean. And, uh, Joe Doring, who, uh, I was not totally familiar with him, but apparently like he, um, was like a huge star in all Japan pro wrestling. And now he's in, uh, impact. And so he's like a very seasoned guy and I like his look. It's like, he's like an old school. He looks like an old school American wrestler that worked in Japan. He, he like, he looks kind of like a, a mixture of, He's got like the like the body of like a, a bruiser Brody or like a Stan Hansen. And then he's got like the look of like a Jake the Snake Roberts. Like he just looks like an old school brother. And I love it. Um, they defeated Cousin Jake, Rhino and Tommy Dreener in an old school rule six man tag team match. And this is a fun match. I mean, you know, you got two ECW originals and Tommy Dreamer and Rhino in like their kind of signature match. And these guys just beat the shit out of each other with weapons and fun, fun match. It wasn't. I would have maybe had it go a little longer. It was it was right under 10 minutes. But still, fun regardless. Next match, Fire and Flava. Uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles defeated Havoc and Nevaeh in the uh, final for the tournament to de- to determine the uh, now, they brought them back, the revived Impact Knockouts Tag Team titles. I think this was... Uh, a really, really underrated match. I could have been a little longer. It was right under nine minutes, but they did a lot in that in those nine minutes. I was actually pulling for Havoc and Nevaeh, but I think Firing Flavors, uh, a you know, a, a really young team that they can really kind of like attach this whole division to and and really kick things off. So I think that that's totally fine booking, and uh, I think. Bravo to Impact for bringing these titles back because I, I think there should be a women's tag division that is like actually pushed. WWE, wink, 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 hint, hint, hint. Um, in every, you know, larger wrestling company. Like, I think that's a huge glaring hole in AEW, to be honest. They could, they really, they could do more interesting things with their female wrestlers if they had a, a tag division. And they've done some tag stuff, but like, let's make some titles. Let's make some titles. So bravo to impact for bringing these titles back and let's hope that they, they book them well and, and make them interesting and they push fire and flavor. So next in a, a very short singles match, but it was supposed to be short. Ace Austin comes out. He's cutting a promo, you know, that he's, he's the man. He just won this tournament. You know, uh, he won the, like the X cup. Yes. The X cup. And, you know, he's the young guy, he's the man in the, X, in the X division, and, you know, it's basically, it's bullshit that he's not in the X division title match later on in the night, 
And so then Scott Demore, the uh, one of the EVPs for Impact Wrestling, who also has like an on-screen role, comes out and he's like, oh, well, you know, if you're looking for competition, then here's th- this guy is always ready. And just then Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, his music hits. Nobody knew he was going to be there. Big surprise. He comes out and they have a, a quick match. And then Ace Austin basically... Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, it's been a couple weeks now since I watched this. I believe that he, like Madman Fulton, uh, his heavy, got involved in the match. And so Cardona won by disqualification. But big, big surprise. Um, you know, last time we saw Cardona, he had a few appearances at AEW. And I had heard it was only like a five appearance deal. So. I mean, clearly he's, you know, he's doing some interesting free agent stuff. Um, since this show, he's been showing up weekly on impact. So I don't know if he's doing a short run or he is signed with them for an extended period of time. Um, it hasn't been announced that he's, he signed like a, a, like a multi-year contract. I know that his compadre, former tag team partner and his partner in uh, doing the major wrestling figure podcast, Brian Myers is full-time signed to impact. And now kind of coming out of this um, Cardone and Ace Austin kind of had a, a little bit of rivalry, but now they're, they're kind of building up this rivalry between Brian Myers and Cardona, which I think is interesting. Cause I, I personally don't think that they put enough time into the, the thing with Ace Austin, but this short little match that Cardone and Austin had um, regardless was, really good for only two and a half minutes for just kind of a, a throwaway match that was intended to be a throwaway match. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it showed something interesting there, you know, that like Cardona as a veteran can still go, uh, and do some cool stuff with, a with young guys. So that I think, Hey, that's just going to help out a young, a young guy like Ace Austin. So great addition to the impact roster. I'm a big, big fan of Cardona and uh, I loved him as Zack Ryder. And so, and he never, Oh God, WWE, you drop the ball with him. So I would love to see him go on and become a champion and, uh, and either impact or AEW or somewhere, but I think impact could benefit from him the most. AEW is a little more of a bloated roster. So moving on a triple threat match for the impact X division title manic who it's interesting. He looks a lot like TJP. I don't know, but TJP says he's not Manic, and Manic says he's not TJP, so I don't really know what the story is there. <laughs> uh, uh, so, kidding, kidding, they're the same guy. Uh, Manic defeated Chris Bay and Rohit Raju uh, to to uh, retain the title, and hey man, TJP was another guy that was like so horribly underutilized in uh, WWE, and good on him for bouncing out. And he's done some interesting stuff in New Japan, and now he's got this full-time run in the Impact. And I think Impact's a really good spot for him. He can be highlighted as a top star in the X Division and and do some interesting stuff. And he's a big enough guy that I feel like he could easily transition into the heavyweight division. And that's the cool thing about uh, Impact and then you know prior TNA, the X Division. It wasn't always like it, it. It is more of a cruiserweight division, but it's not. It's not completely necessary. I mean, like Samoa Joe was the next division, you know, champion. So they, it's just kind of a. I don't know. I like that that it's kind of a little more fluid and not completely dependent on weight. But it's like their their mid card title, 
And, um, but, I, but I do like that they use it to kind of highlight more of the, the, uh, cruiserweight wrestlers that have like a different style than their heavyweight wrestlers. So, and you know, that kind of fits in with the whole like X division thing, um, that TNA started that was kind of like, you know, a little more edgy, a little more extreme, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, uh, Chris Bay, I think, dude, shout out to him. That guy whew, really, really good. I, I think they're going to, he's going to be somebody who can really carry this division in the future. Really good young wrestler. Yeah. Great match. And, uh, I, they did a thing in it that was pretty cool where they took off Manic's mask and then, uh, TJP had face paint on underneath it. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm kind of thinking, Ooh, I'd like to see more of this. I like the, the crazy face paint thing. It's pretty dope. And the next match, Deanna Peraza defeated Taya Valkyrie by submission in a singles match for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Hey, Deanna Peraza, the best thing that could have happened to her was getting fired by WWE and coming to Impact. I, I remember hearing that she got let go by WWE and being like, you gotta be kidding me. She's like one of their best female wrestlers and she's one of the only female wrestlers that has this technical of a submission style. So to me, she's like really unique, really, really unique because I mean, that's kind of like a rare style just period, but especially for women's wrestling. And so I think she brings something really, really interesting to the table. And Ty Valkyrie now is like a proven commodity in the women's division in, in impact. She's I think got the longest women's title reign and so, you know, former dominant champion. So I think this just put Deanna over even more now because she's she's beat Jordan Grace, who is this, you know, dominant champion before, you know, uh, Deanna, Deanna uh, dethroned her. She beat Taya Valkyrie, you know, a great former champion in her own right. And so I, I'm loving how they're booking her. They're booking her as a top heel and she's just a total star and bravo impact you're 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 doing really good with her and i uh i want to i want to see more i want to see more you know they're the i like i said i think the Tennille dashwood match could be really good if they get that going their their women's division i think is a little light it's really really good i think it's much stronger than um AEW, so I think it's like second only to WWE's women division, women's division, WWE or NXT that is. Um, so I think it's stronger in terms of talent. And if we're talking about AEW, but it's it's light. There's not a there's not a ton of women. It's a smaller company though, so there's like their roster is smaller than an AEW, or certainly smaller than a WWE or NXT. But I would like to see them pick up a, a few more, a few more uh, women for their roster, um, because I think the one thing that I've noticed that is kind of, um, I would say would be kind of a knock, would be that when they have these women that have like these long title runs, like a Taya Valkyrie or like a Jordan Grace or Tessa Blanchard when she was in the company at a certain point, they've already worked everybody. And so it's like, it's hard to keep continuing with like fresh matchups. And, you know, so it's like, it's, and it that's just because of a small roster. Whereas like, you know, there's other companies like WWE, for instance, where their problem is they have a giant roster, but they're not getting fresh people. And it's just like the same matchups over and over again. Um, 
so I, I gotta I gotta think that Impact, I think they do a good job of like keeping fresh matchups going. That if they just had a few more people, that they could really uh benefit from that. So but yeah, this was a really good match. I I, I yeah, anytime Deanna's in a match, I am uh, uh fully, fully invested because I think she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world right now. In the next match, <laughs> this was apparently uh Ethan Page's swan song uh it was his last match for the company which i think is a big loss to the company um he was a hell of a tag team wrestler with him and josh alexander in the north and i think that that josh alexander is gonna struggle to find his footing without being in that tag team and i think he was a hell of a singles wrestler as well and i I i'm sure why he you know is is leaving impact is that you know he, he probably thinks he can leverage that into a, a bigger role and, and, and kind of greener pastures somewhere else like an AEW or a WWE. I think he could be really, really great in AEW. I would be a little concerned with him getting lost in the shuffle in a WWE. I think he'd have a good NXT run, but if he got up to the main roster, it's, it's a toss up, man. Like the main roster is that it, it's, it's really, really tough with WWE. Um, there's some NXT call-ups that do really well, and more that don't. Um, and it's not necessarily it their fault. So I'm curious to see where he goes, but his last match was basically a green screen filmed cinematic match with him versus his alter ego, the karate man. And I, I I've heard about, I heard about a thing after this match that apparently like impact was really pushing for this, this specific match. And they basically gave him a choice. He said, okay, so going out of the company, you can either have a match. that's complete going to completely burn the bridges of the North against Josh Alexander. So you, you know, you leave the company and like screw him over and, and break off the friendship or you do a match against the karate man (laughs) And he didn't want to burn the bridges of, of the North. So, you know, in the future they could still work together. And so they did the karate man match. And so it sounds like he was not very happy with that. Um, but, and I, and that's unfortunate. However, this match was so entertaining. It was just so stupid, but it was actually edited really well. So that, you know, like they, it's all shot on green screen and like, but they made it look good. Like it's, it's cheesy. It was just the right amount of cheese but it was it was just the right amount of like professional that it it wasn't like cringe um and oh man i mean in terms of just entertaining fun stuff i was dying laughing it, it was really really funny um you know i i think it's really interesting that he's got this this alter ego of the karate man and i i i i, I popped for it i thought this match was really fun i liked it I, you know, the people I was watching with liked it. So, Hey, Ethan page, the might've not have been the way you wanted to go out, but you were entertaining. And I can't wait to see where you go. Cause, uh, hell of a wrestler in the next match, Eddie Edwards defeated Sammy Callahan grudge match again. Uh, you know, another one of these grudge matches in a barbed wire massacre. This match was ultra violent in the best way possible. And I think he expected that with the history that these guys have. And especially Sammy Callahan being in this match. Well, and Eddie Edwards too. Eddie Edwards is kind of, it's interesting. He was like a, a really kind of 
uh, I would say like really good in ring technician, like work rate sort of wrestler. And then kind of changed into more of a brawler. And, uh, which I think is a, is a, uh, like a fun transition. And, um, this match, I think really showcased that style. Cause Sammy Callahan, that's like his bread and butter is these hardcore matches that are, that are brawling in style. And these guys, they beat each other pillar to post. Like they were cut up, bleeding, all fucked up. It, oh man. It was really, really brutal, really, really brutal match. Um, you know, one that would make like a Mick Foley and like a, a Terry Funk happy. It was, it was just short of be like, it wasn't quite death match level, but it, it was probably as much as they could get away with it with, um, you know, the, the TV deals they have in this company. It was brutal. And, uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um, hats off to both of these men for putting their bodies on the line. Cause they did some crazy stuff. Highlight what though was Sammy Callahan hitting Eddie Edwards with a barbed wire wrapped Nintendo 64 controller. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that. So, <laughs> um, I, uh, I enjoyed it. And in the main event, Kenny Omega, AEW world heavyweight champion and the good brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson defeated Rich Swan, Chris Saban and Moose in a six man tag team match. So this was an interesting match. So they've been doing this crossover with impact and all elite wrestling. So Don Callis, uh, the shoot legit EVP of impact wrestling and, um, a mentor to Kenny Omega and, 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 you know, in, in real life, uh, they introduced him as like an on-screen manager. He helped Kenny Omega beat John Moxley to become the, the, the champion. And then in doing so, then Kenny was making appearances on impact because Don is a member of, uh, he's an on-screen character on impact and, uh, uh, behind the scenes creative force. So, and then, you know, so they were doing these back and forth things like showing up on impact, showing up on, uh, all eight wrestling. And then he reunited with the good brothers and, you know, so basically reunited the bullet club. And now it's went so far as like having the bullet club, uh, you know, reunion that, you know, consists of the good brothers, Kenny Omega and the young bucks. And, um, so they're really, they're really going hard with this. And so basically, so then, uh, the Kenny Omega and the good brothers at a certain point, um, attacked rich Swan cause Kenny Omega kind of had a, you know, a bit of a dick measuring contest, if you will, with rich Swan as to like, you know, Oh, well you're the champion of this show. Well, I'm the, I'm the champion of all eight wrestling and it's that this is the more important title. So they had a beef and he attacked them and the good brothers who beat the Motor City Machine Guns for uh, to become the Impact Tag Team Champions. They already had heat with them. They attacked them, and you know, then there was this big brawl, and you know, they were kind of going back and forth, back and forth on the shows. And so, originally, this was supposed to be Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers Bullet Club versus Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. Alex Shelley had to pull out at the last minute to uh, due to an undisclosed illness or of some sort. We don't actually know. They haven't, they haven't said what the deal was. So Moose replaced him. And, uh, that I thought was an interesting choice, but a good choice because Moose, I think is one of their, like their, their top best 
athletes. The guy's a freak. He's giant and he moves like a tiny man. It's it's crazy. He's super strong, but then he's doing like freaking moonsaults, standing moonsaults. He's he's nuts. Um, so he replaced him. And shockingly, they had Kenny Omega beat their champion, Rich Swan, the Impact World Heavyweight Champion. One, two, three, in the middle of the ring. Not without, you know, some uh, you know, some some serious odds stacked against him, but they're really, really like all in on like kind of trying to make this this, you know, AEW versus impact thing really work. And there's a, a lot of there's a lot of hubbub that, you know, they're gonna do a another show. Um and you know, there's there's rumors that they, they might have like a, a Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan for like title versus title um, down the line. And, you know, now the Good Brothers, like they've been showing up on AEW. So there's like there's a lot of crossover. And hey, I am here for it. I'm so here for it. This is, you know, kind of as a wrestling fan, this is the kind of stuff that we've all been like just craving for so long. And then, you know, WWE kind of had a monopoly and everything. So there was like they're not going to cross over with these tiny ass little companies, but you know, companies that are kind of on a little more of a equal footing. I mean, impact is way smaller than AEW, but it's good business by AEW to cross over and it it's elevating both of them because now, you know, there's, there's hardcore impact fans. There's hardcore AEW fans. That's going to cross over and you gotta have people that are going to check out both. And it's really beneficial for Impact. So I think that's why they, you know, they went ahead and like did the risky thing of having their champion get beat on their show, um, which is a bold move. I, I didn't necessarily expect that. I thought that maybe somebody else was, would take the pin. So there's like some justification. But I think if, hey, man, if anything is going to build a match, you know, a uh a singles match between these guys, it's going to be that, you know, cause then it's like, Kenny has this, this bragging right over rich Swan. And you know, and also it's like, Hey dude, Kenny Omega is the man. He is the, the, in my opinion, he's the best wrestler in the world. And he's got one of the most important titles in the world. So you, there is, you know, there, there is some justification for that. And I think that, you know, they could book something with rich Swan as, as the kind of the underdog, but I'm very curious to see where this goes because they are going to have like a singles match champion versus champion. Who's going to win? That's because I mean, like, I don't know which company is going to want to let their champion be beat by a, the champion from another company. I think this was like already really like, you know, the, the finish of this match was already crazy. It, it blew my mind. I could not believe that impact let that, let that happen. But I, I don't necessarily think it was, was bad for them. Um, maybe for Rich Swan a little bit, but, but you know, it's a bold move. And so hopefully, you know, this, this pays off for them. And then if like, let's say Kenny Omega wins, it becomes champ champ, you know, if impact could really, really benefit from that, you know, if like their, their champion is a guy of that stature, no, no disrespect to Rich Swan, but he's not a big a name as Kenny Omega. So yeah, this was a really, really good match. I'm loving the reunion of the Bullet Club. Like I was mentioning uh, earlier and talking about New Japan's Bullet Club. Ooh, 
me, for me, a dream, dream scenario would be a New Japan Bullet Club invasion slash takeover of the American Bullet Club. You know, either New Japan taking over in Impact or AEW or both and having some sort of like cross-branded show maybe with all three companies and have this big like giant, you know, like, six man tag or something. Oh gosh, that would be, mm, that'd be good stuff. We can only hope we can only hope. Well, with that, my friends, I think I'm going to wrap it up. We're right underneath an hour. So this was a good, uh, a good episode to get caught up on some of the the bigger shows that happened outside of WWE. I think, um, I'll be doing more of these because it sometimes it's just really difficult to, to, to book these shows. We're kind of recapping, uh, wrestling shows, with guests because people are busy. So I think I might be doing more of these that are just me just hitting play and going for it. Just talking. Um, and let me know if you enjoyed this or if you hated it, if you're like, dude, I don't want to hear your voice for an hour. Let me know. And then I just, you know, I might cry a little bit, but I'll take it into consideration and maybe I won't do it again. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Uh, or if you like it, you know, I'll do more of them. So, uh, with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. Later, Marks. Okay, nerds. That's the episode. Not too bad, right? For a solo outing. Not super long. And uh, yeah, I think I got by without a guest. Wasn't too bad. At this point, I would thank my guest. But I'm not going to thank myself. But I will thank you for checking it out. And if you are digging what I am doing here on Nerds with Opinions. Make sure you're following Nerds with Opinions on Instagram and Twitter at nerds underscore opinions and on Facebook at Nerds with Opinions. If you are on Apple Podcasts, rate and review this episode. It really helps me out. If you are on Spotify, just make sure you're following Nerds with Opinions and if you feel so inclined, share this episode with your homies. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holman, and you have been listening to Nerds with Opinions. <laughs>